Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Michigan State football is feeling peachy. Mel Tucker and the Tennessee Spartans are heading to Atlanta for the Peach Bowl. It's an incredible final destination for a remarkable, surprising turnaround season for Michigan State, especially considering they had a preseason win total of just four and a half games. Guys, we'll have plenty of time to discuss the matchup ahead of December 3rd, but we will give some initial thoughts on today's episode. We'll also recap Kenneth Walker III's omission from the Heisman Trophy finalists and give some fresh takes on the basketball team on episode 59 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Tuesday, December 7th, 2021. And guys, it must be December because the snow is here in West Michigan. Uh, fortunately, I just got done putting the finishing touches on my bowl trip down to Atlanta. And Matt, it, it might not be the warmest destination the Spartans could have ended up in, but uh, it's something. Yeah, I mean, it's a great bowl. It's the best bowl they've been to since 2015. Obviously, the first New Year's Six Bowl since the semifinal loss to, to Alabama. Um, will be the, <laughs> yeah, the weather. I mean, personally, I've always I've been advocating that Michigan State should go to the Holiday Bowl every single year and make that a permanent <laughs> trip. Uh, I would not complain. I don't care that the Big Ten no longer has a bowl tie with the Holiday Bowl. I think we can make an exception. But uh, yeah, I mean, spend five days in San Diego, you're gonna you're not going to complain about it. So, but no, I mean, Atlanta, the weather might not be, you know, you know, Phoenix or, or Florida, you know, but it's a great bowl destination. It's a good bowl matchup intriguing between, you know, Narduzzi, obviously you get a couple of the top players in the nation in uh, Walker and Pickett, and yeah, all around, you know, pretty, pretty entertaining matchup. I, I think that most people were pleased with it. As a guy who spends his winter shuttling between Iowa City and Champaign, <laughs> Illinois, and places of the like, I have no sympathy for you getting to go to having go to Atlanta instead of San Diego. I just want to throw that out there. Fair enough. <laughs> Although the last, yeah. last bowl trip was New York, so that really yeah okay. I'll uh, give you credit that was, for that. that Open air press box too. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Actually, wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. It was like fifty some degrees that day in New York, and uh, they had the heaters on above us, so. It was more manageable than I anticipated going into it. Yeah, well, Michigan State's first appearance in the Peach Bowl, right? They've never been there, yep. so a new bowl, and uh, first, that's fun for first for uh, Pittsburgh as well. So, right, yeah. So, I mean, a cool matchup. I was surprised that Michigan State and Pittsburgh, you know, haven't really matched up that times. I, I think I, or matched up that many times. You would think both being, you know. Midwest-ish, uh, you know, uh, they would have played before. But, uh, yeah, not too many matchups, so uh, it's a unique matchup. And you've got Kenny Pickett, a Heisman Trophy finalist, going up against Kenneth Walker, uh, a guy who 
in my opinion, should have been a Heisman Trophy finalist. So you've got a lot of good, uh, you've got Narduzzi going against his old team. Um, so a lot of interesting ways we could attack the Peach Bowl. Uh, like I said, we're going to have a month to, to discuss this. But um, I mean, what was the first thing that sort of popped into your head when you saw the matchup? Oh, it's Narduzzi. I mean, <laughs> you know, it was, that's, that's what the top storyline is going to be. There was, was it two years ago, um, that everybody was a lot of the bowl projections thought, all right, it's going to be Michigan state pit in the quick lane. It's going to be weird. Um, and I went down that day when they had their formal bowl presser in Allen park and, you know, Narduzzi was there, obviously they got, they ended up drawing Eastern while Michigan state went to the pinstripe bowl, but you know, Narduzzi didn't, didn't hide from the fact that he was glad that it wasn't a matchup against Michigan state. You know, he calls Mark called Mark D'Antonio his best friend and he didn't really want to have that be the, you know, a game they had to play. And, um, it worked out, you know, well, I guess for both parties, it ended up being pinstripe <laughs> and it'd be Mark's last game, but, um, yeah, the Narduzzi matchup stands out and it, yeah, on Sunday night, he said, you know, that obviously, you know, everybody knows the ties, but he said, you know, there will be no emotion from it on his standpoint. I don't know if that's as easy to believe, but, uh, given the time he spent there, but yeah, that's, I think that's the top storyline. Then obviously Pickett Walker, um, you have what has been, you know, one of the better offenses in the nation um against with the strength being the pass game against obviously Michigan State's biggest defensive weakness is, is through the air and then um you know Pitt's been pretty good against the run they haven't allowed a 100 yard rusher all season so there's you know those are some pretty intriguing uh, matchups that you got for the bowl a Big Ten's two and six in Peach Bowl history. Michigan was the last team that was there in 2018. Uh, took one on the chin against uh, <laughs> against Florida, or that was like the 40, 41 15 was the final score. How the heck did they get 15 points? I have no memory of that game. Other they than they have a bunch of guys. Out. I think they had a bunch of guys opting out that year too. Not that it. I don't know. Maybe I'm mixing up the bowls, but I thought that was maybe is that the. Uh, Oh, um, Rashad Gary or maybe I thought they had some dudes up and out of that game, but I might just be confusing years. Yeah. Gary was on that team. Chase Winovich, uh, Lavert Hill. So David Long, I mean, they had some, yeah, I think, I mean, every year these teams got guys opting out, but yeah. notably for Michigan state, uh, it looks like Kenneth Walker is going to play. That's what he said after, after the, uh, you know, the Penn state game, he said he anticipated playing in a bowl Mel on Sunday said he hasn't heard of any guys that aren't planning on playing. Um, Peyton Thorne doubled down, said the same and said, he knows Ken's going to play. So, I mean, things can always change. Obviously you, know, you can make a, you know, anything can happen and things can change, but if he does plan on playing, I, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big time bowl. It's an opportunity to showcase your talents more uh, against a good defense. So I think that that might weigh into it a little bit versus if this was the, the whatever the hell dot com bowl and, and, you know, nobody really cares. And, and, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fault guy ever for, for sitting out and doing protecting their best interest, regardless of the situation. Um, but I, you know, it appears that Michigan state will be healthier for the bowl and also um, guys are going to play. Yeah, you would think Jalen Naylor would be back and maybe some other guys, uh, you know, they're pretty banged up here in recent weeks. So, Kyle, what do you make of the bowl matchup? I mean, there's a lot of storylines here, um, but, you know, uh, it should be a fun one. Yeah, I, I hope Narduzzi kind of backs off of this whole uh, no emotion, you know, thing, because, you know, I, I think it lost a little bit with D'Antonio not being the coach. I think if D'Antonio was still here, it would be a really big deal, and he would admit that. But, um, you know, he was – he was the right-hand man for, you know, the whole rise to the playoffs. And, and um, 
uh, and, and winning those Big Ten titles. And, um, you know, I, the place means something to him. Um, and, and I understand coaches don't want to create distractions and aren't big fans of these storylines. But, um, you know, I, I hope once we get a little bit closer, we can kind of look back at some of the Narduzzi time at Michigan State. I think that's fun. And I think that's fun memories. And he's certainly, he's certainly an entertaining guy and a good quote. So if you can get him get him to back off this, uh, this whole, you know, no emotion thing, I think it could be a fun, fun topic for discussion when Matt's down there in Atlanta. Yeah, Pat is obviously a pretty uh, fiery guy, but I have mm-hmm. to say, two years ago, that talking about the bull thing, uh, the Quick Lane Bull and Allen Park presser, when you're sitting at a table next to Chris Creighton, you're going to get overshadowed a little bit. <laughs> he did it, Creighton did his opening statement, and, you know, it was like, you know, I've seen the guy talk before, but I think that was the, you know, I've probably been in the same room with him for something, but it was pretty impressive. And he gets done with his opening statement and Narduzzi just looked over and goes, man, you're fired up. Aren't you? <laughs> so <laughs> now I know Narduzzi, I think I agree with Kyle. Hopefully he gets a little more, you know, insight into those times. And yeah, I mean, that was, that was the rise under, under D'Antonio, you know, and he was there and obviously the defense was a huge part of it. And he said on Sunday that he thinks Michigan state fans will recognize um, key aspects of that defense in Atlanta. I think it's a charade. I think he's trying to downplay it because it's a month away. I, I think we're going to get a little bit more once, once he gets on, once you get on site down there in Atlanta and the press stuff is happening and it's bowl week and, you know, he sees that Michigan state green and white and logo on the other side. I think he's going to get a little bit fired up and, and give us a little, or at least I hope so, because come on, man, you know, it means something. Give me a break. You've been waiting for an opportunity like this for a while, but in terms of like other t- topics that you could talk about, like I see fans like upset that, you know, yeah, they're in the New Year's six, but the Peach Bowl is the first one. It's on December 30th. It's not on New Year's Day. I feel like that's the traditionalist talking, you know, the people who like held New Year's Day sacred, you know, as you know, the Rose Bowl and the big bowls in Florida. And that's that's the day for college football. And it is. But like the playoffs aren't even on New Year's Day this year. So, I mean, I just think like that's a little bit overblown. And you want games to have their their own spotlight. Like if you're playing in the Fiesta Bowl, you're going up against two other games at the same time. Here you have your own spotlight. You are the game. Yeah, I mean, I got a response or two like that as well. But I mean, what do you what did you want? I mean, there were four at large spots open, or there are four at large spots, and and one had to go to. Um, I'm sorry, I'm messing this up. There were four at large spots. But in the, in the between the Fiesta and the Peach, the ACC champion had to take a spot. Michigan State, Gary Bardis acknowledged it on Sunday. Michigan State got the last spot in the New Year's Six Bowl game. They were the lowest ranked team outside of Pitt to make it in there. So it was Fiesta or Peach. You ended up in the Peach. I I don't know what there is to complain about. It's a great matchup. It's you know it's a New Year's Six game. I, I, exactly. it's, it's a good match. I, I don't understand. I, I, I understand just wanting like a, if it was, I don't know what time the Fiesta kicks off, but I understand wanting like a weekend midday game just for viewing um, purposes. Like I, like I'll understand that as opposed to a, a weekday, you know, night game, but you know, from a prestige standpoint, I mean, you're in a new year six bowl. I don't, you know, I, I'm not going to hear much complaining about that. Yeah. And there's plenty of Spartan. I mean, I, you know, people are talking, Oh, there's so many Spartans in Arizona. There's plenty of Spartans in Georgia too. Trust me that there's a lot of Atlanta Spartans down there. And, you know, if you want to look at it from a larger perspective, Mel Tucker has been doing a lot of recruiting in Georgia. I mean, I, I've, I've dropped the Georgia Spartan dogs thing like 10 times on this podcast because I mean, he's got roots down there. He coached there. He's been, he, there's obviously a ton of talent in Georgia. 
I mean, what better opportunity to showcase your program and your team than on the big stage in the Peach Bowl in the state of Georgia? Yeah, Mel actually talked about that on Sunday. He was asked about it, and, and he gave you know, a pretty good answer saying that he expects us to help a lot. You know, he thinks that the presence down there goes a long way in recruiting. He mentioned the, the trip to Miami this year and the win there and how, he, you know, he thought he got a reaction um, that was, was based solely on uh, locally in South Florida, based solely on playing in that game and thought it was a positive. So, yeah, they're going to continue to recruit Georgia heavily and, you know, playing in a New Year's Six Bowl game in Atlanta sure doesn't hurt. Anything else on the game or should we move on to the Heisman stuff? We got yeah, time we, to talk about that. We got plenty of time to talk about the game. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I know you want to get to the Heisman stuff. So. No, no, I have nothing to say about that, Kyle. Nothing <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, you know, not totally chill about it. Uh, no hot takes sent off. Uh, no, no. I mean, okay, let's just get to the elephant in the room, right? Kenneth Walker left off the Heisman finalists. You know, you've got Kenny Pickett from Pitt. You've got Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. You've got uh Bryce Young from Alabama and you've got CJ Stroud from Ohio State all four amazing seasons incredible seasons I mean really really solid and worthy seasons I think you can put gripes in their in their resumes as well the same way you can pick a hole in Kenneth well really just one hole in Kenneth Walker's um but you know you guys know how I feel about it and I'll give some thoughts on it but you know I'll toss it to you guys first I mean Matt what do you think do you think Kenneth Walker should have been the Heisman Trophy finalist and do you either of you have votes for the Heisman I have a vote um, and you're not supposed to reveal who you voted for. Graham already after, broke the rules. Yeah. Well, that's, that was his <laughs> choice. Um, but no, I had a vote and I think Walker deserved a spot among the finalists. Um, you can make a case for a lot of guys. I can make a case for him, obviously watching him play all year. Uh, I could make a case that he made a bigger difference individually on his team than maybe anybody else in the nation. When you look at how much different the, the rushing attack was, in recent years, especially 2020 to this year. Um, that said, you know, it's tough. You know, you only get to pick three guys when you when you vote. Um, and unlike years past where the Heisman did not have a set number of finalists, they've been inviting finals to New York since 82. There was no set number. It was as many as eight invited, although I think only four showed up that year, to as few as three. And this year they changed it and said, all right, we're just going with four. So, I mean, if they'd have been at five, you know, and that's a lot of times they do that. They previously did that to break off the voting. When there was a landslide, you know, you didn't need to invite six guys if one guy is taking home, you know, the, the, you know a, a huge chunk of the vote and winning. But, yeah, I mean, it's a tough break for Kenneth. He, you know, he, he certainly earned a spot there. And, you know, it was really it was the, the loss at Ohio State that, that put a, a huge dent in his chances going into that game. Some people had him as the favorite. And, you know, he's dealing with an ankle injury. They get blown out. You know, it's 28 to nothing. He's got three carries. And you're in a no-win situation at that point in time. You can try to play him to keep his Heisman candidacy alive, even though you really got to throw the ball because you're getting smoked. Um, And then the flip side is, you know, he's playing hurt. If he gets further injured in a game that's already out of hand, then you're going to take the brunt from the fan base on that one. So, no win situation, no fault of Kenneth, and he you know bounces back to post a pretty nice game against Penn State in the snow. So yeah, just you know, tough situation. Someone needs to tell these voters that this is not a quarterback award because it's it's been won by way too many quarterbacks, um, and the finalist list you know have been three quarterbacks this year. Um, the quarterbacks just to me were not at that level in college football. There's been years where yeah, it's a no brainer. Um, um but this year like like if i i don't have a vote so i can say whatever i want um like if i if, if i was picking four 
to go to New York, I'd have kept Hutchinson there, uh, kept Bryce Young there. I'd had Will Anderson from Alabama. I think he's every bit, you know, um, as good as Hutchinson. And then I had Kenneth Walker as the fourth. But like, I can't get too mad about it. Like, Kenneth would have been the fourth guy out of my four. Um, and I think between him and CJ Stroud, that is tough. I mean, it's, it's hard to watch that Michigan State Ohio State game and say that, <laughs> that Michigan State running back's the guy that needs to be. So I get that. But I, I think what I come down to is I, what how I think you mentioned, like to me, Kenneth Walker elevated Michigan State more than most other guys did their teams. And fair or not fair, like if you're CJ Stroud, your bar is higher for me because you've got NFL talent all around you. You've got three fantastic receivers to throw to. So right or wrong, like you got to do more to me to impress me to get there. Like the bar is higher for you because you're in a better situation and um, you have more built-in advantages than other guys. So, you know, the way CJ Stroud played against Ohio State to me bumped him down enough that he wouldn't have made my final four. It would have been very close. So I, you know, I, I do think he should have made it. Um, I, I don't certainly don't think he he should be. He wouldn't have gotten my vote to win it. Um, but yeah, I think he should have made it um, uh, in a close one with Stroud for that last one. We're going to hold Kenneth Walker going six for 25 against him against Ohio state and CJ Stroud chokes against the two best teams he plays on his schedule. And he still gets invited. The Heisman trophy is supposed to be awarded to the most outstanding player in college football. Winners epitomize great ability combined with diligence, perseverance, and hard work. Kenneth Walker checks every single one of those boxes. If he plays for Michigan and Michigan's in Michigan state situation, he's in New York right now. And that these are the things that drive me crazy about the college football it comes into the play in the Heisman. It comes into play in the college football playoff. These Whoever's voting or making these decisions are so influenced by brand names and, and who's going to make the, the, big, the big bucks, who's going to draw eyeballs. And I just like, there's no fighting it. This is how college sports have been. And you could say the same thing as college basketball where Michigan state does kind of get that blue blood bump. But like, I just don't think these outside factors should matter so much within the sport. I wish we would focus more. We got the, 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 the commissioner of the, the committee head saying, set aside the games on national television. Like this stuff shouldn't matter. Can we focus more on field? Like Kenneth Walker, you guys just said it like Michigan state is not a 10 win team without him. The kid comes as a transfer. He's making incredible splash plays all season and these voters are holding one game against him where he simply didn't get the ball. Matt, you pointed it out in our recap of the game. Ohio State didn't stop Kenneth Walker. They just they just stopped giving him the ball for obvious reasons. And oh, guys, I'm going to try and keep my cool here. I think the Doak Walker Award seems likely for Kenneth Walker at this point. So I think Thursday, Michigan State fans will be feeling a little bit better. But I mean, people are annoyed with the with the with the I think there's some recency bias going on here with what Michigan has done with Aiden Hutchinson and winning the Big Ten championship and beating Ohio State um I think the fact you know CJ Stroud plays for Ohio State that's going to give him a bump ESPN I think their impact and the larger landscape of college sports has an impact on how Heisman voters vote who they're hyping who they're talking about recently and Michigan State with the loss of Ohio State they've been largely out of the eye of nationally uh, like how many people did you see nationally talking about Michigan State, Penn State? Not that many because there wasn't any conference title implications on the line. So I just think you go from a guy who was basically the favorite for the whole season, even into November, and now he's completely off the board because of one game. It just doesn't seem right to me, and I think it has a lot to do with Michigan State just not being one of those top blue blood brands. I mean, do you think that that's fair at all? I think I, there's always going to be recency bias when it comes to that award. 
Um, and there's always going to be, well, there has lately, it's like Kyle mentioned, quarterback heavy award. It's been basically a quarterback award for 20 years almost. Right. And you could say that Kenny Pickett, you know, people say, oh, Pitt, Pitt's a blue blood brand. Give me a break. But Kenny Pickett gets that quarterback bump. Well, you know, and he's had a great year. I mean, again, you can make it, you know, there's a case you can make for a lot of guys, you know, um, Will Anderson, you know, obviously being one of them, like, like Kyle mentioned, but um, it's, it's tough. Again, there's recency bias and it sure as hell is going to help. Obviously going to help Michigan and Hutchinson Hutchinson's case when, they beat Ohio state and he has a dominant game and there's 16 million people watching the game and they go to Indy and now they're in the playoff. Yeah. If, if, if Michigan loses to Ohio state or they're not in the playoff, I don't think he's getting one of those spots in New York and Hutchinson is an incredible player. You know, he deserves to be among them. So it, you know, I, I don't know what the solution is. Um, How do you feel about Graham's, you know, something I pointed out about a lot of Heisman voters not actually being able to watch games because they're too busy doing their job. And that's something Graham pointed out too. Yeah, he's right. That's That's why I won't vote in the, in the AP top 25 poll. Cause I have no business voting in the AP top 25 poll. I, I would sit there at three in the morning on Sunday and look at scores and be like, I don't know what the hell happened today. Cause I was watching one team play all day. I don't know. 900 something Heisman voters. They're not all beat writers. Um, Yeah. You you could convince me that there's just too many, too many Heisman (laughs) voters because there's not that many qualified. Frankly, there's not just not that many qualified people in the country. You know, I say cut it down and, and take a hard look at their qualifications and whether they're not going to, they're, they're going to be able to um, objectively watch enough football and, and make that decision because I can tell you right now, there's not even close to 900 of those people in the media, sports media. And I, I don't really know what the solution is because you can't have fans voting because fans are biased. Like media members, you know, I think it, I just, yeah. Fans get a, a vote. Who it is. They get, get one. one vote. They, they get, get one vote. To get one vote. <laughs> yeah. But it's so. just like, I, I, I guess it's just, it's just frustrating as a Michigan state fan. You know, I think a lot of the fan base is frustrated because they've seen, they've watched every, every play that Kenneth Walker and Matt, you have too. You've seen, and Kyle, you largely have too. You've seen every handoff that Kenneth Walker's gotten this year. And you've just seen the miraculous plays that he's made. And I guess I just like look at it like, I guess I'm just thinking of like some SEC guy or some guy out in the Pac-12 who's not really watching. He's covering some other team and he sees a Michigan guy and a Michigan State guy up against each other. And he's just like, oh, I'm going to give it to the Michigan guy because they just won the Big Ten and they're Michigan. Like, I just hope that that's not going on on a large scale because I don't think that's right. I think we should be awarding the most deserving players. You know, Kenny Pickett had an amazing year, put up video game numbers, but the SEC is terrible. Uh, Hutchinson might not even be the best defensive player in the country. Like the, the Alabama guy is the one with video game numbers here. Oh, wait, did you say the SEC is terrible? ACC, uh, he, yeah, man. ACC. Okay, yeah. Okay, I'll give you that one. You know, fire up ACC. some people down south and start, <laughs> start calling the SEC I don't think, terrible. I don't think we have a lot of SEC people listening to this no. pod, but that's just a hunch. <laughs> I meant the ACC. And I don't want to take away from the other finalists, but, like, you need to have, like, ridiculous numbers to be a, a Heisman finalist as a defensive player. And Will Anderson has better numbers overall than Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the solution is. So you're Alabama and you're pissed off because because he didn't get an invite. But the front runner, the guy who's probably going to win by a comfortable margin, is on the same damn team. Oh, I don't yeah. feel bad for Alabama, just to be clear. <laughs> no, I it just it's I don't know. It's a tough situation. I don't know what the answer is. And, and you have that that instance where Bryce Young is an incredible player this year, and you saw what he did in the SEC championship game against what was supposed to be the best defense in the country. And then how many votes does he suck up from his teammate just from, 
you're, you're filling out Joe Schmo's filling out his, his three players and you're really putting two on there from the same damn team. Yeah. Do you guys I, agree? Doak Walker seems likely. Yeah. I'd be, I would, I would be so. highly surprised if he doesn't win that award on Thursday. If he doesn't win that, I think there's an issue. <laughs> I mean, any, no Michigan state players ever won it. So that, that would be, you know, that'd be significant. It hasn't been around that long, but it'd still be obviously a very notable achievement for, for Ken. Yeah, for sure. Especially where he came from at the start of the year, coming to a new team. And you know what? It's a bummer for Michigan State fans. I think Michigan State fans have a right to be upset and voice those uh, voice those uh, displeasure. But this takes away nothing from what Kenneth Walker did this year. I mean, he's he's gonna be, his legacy within the program is cemented. I mean, he 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 was an amazing player for them, who they brought in. And and I think you know anyone who's paid attention to Michigan State like we have this year has a very healthy respect for the kind of talent he is and what he did in the season. And, you know, if nationally, maybe if they, if they let one game on the big stage against Ohio state change that, and, and if that's really what cost him a spot as a Heisman finalist, then I guess it is what it is. But, you know, people who know, know what Kenneth Walker accomplished this year, and this takes nothing away from it. And if he ends up winning the Doak Walker, that's a pretty amazing accomplishment for Michigan state. So um, I feel bad for him more than anything, because I think he earned it. Yeah, I mean, if you were to tell somebody, if you were to tell Ken coming into the year that, hey, you're going <laughs> to gonna be in New York for the award show, which I would hope he's there, um, and you're going to win the Doak Walker, I think he would he would take that. Um, it's just, you know, it's a, it's just been a good story all around for both sides. You know, he thought he was, you know, he, was, he had two good seasons at, at Wake Forest, didn't think the offense was the ideal fit, came to Michigan State, and Hey, he's been obviously been a huge it has been the biggest difference for them offensively um and the reason for for their turnaround um on that side of the ball he, you know I you can't overstate the difference he's made he's just talked openly about you know the Heisman being a, a goal for him and I think that he did enough this year to to at least earn that recognition so um it is what it is I think that you know he's going to get drafted in the NFL most likely and uh, I think he's going to take home some hardware here he's already won some hardware so um, you know, it's, it's been a great season for him. It's disappointing, but, um, you know, more disrespect Spartans. That's just how you got to wear it, man. Wear it like the badge of honor. It's disrespect season in the winter here. So it is what it is. <laughs> um, anything else? Should we move on to hoops? Uh, you yeah, want to mention let's... some news. Yeah. You want to mention. All right. News. So news today, um, Michigan state cornerbacks coach Javaris Tillman has been hired as the defensive backs coach and the defensive pass game coordinator at Georgia Tech, which is alma mater. He was a standout DB there. He's a Georgia native, so get it. But, um, you know, that leaves Mel looking for uh, – well, he has an opening on his staff, and if I guess there's one, one spot, you're going to have confidence in Mel being able to find uh, somebody that's going to work. It's uh, coaching uh, cornerbacks. Uh, obviously, Mel's background is a defensive back. It's a defensive backs coach by trade. Um, you have Harlan Barnett overseeing the whole secondary. So I think they'll be fine. Um, you know, Mel can always get, we were talking about this before, but you know, in the times we got to watch some uh, practice during preseason camp, you know, when Mel comes in there and takes over the corners and start running drills, I mean, you, you can see where his experience is and, and his um, desire to continue still coaching up that position. Um, and it's a position that Michigan state, need, they got work to do, obviously. I mean, we talked about the past defense, but you know, they overhauled the room through the portal in the offseason. They're basically rolling with three transfers and a true freshman as their top four guys down the stretch. And then, you know, injuries have affected the room and, and the play overall this season 
was was spotty. Um, there were some big plays made at times, and then there were a lot of a lot of error, or, you know, holes and, and big you know chunk plays given up. So, um, yeah, uh, I think Mel will get a quality hire, um, and, and it's worth mentioning that in his uh, restructured con- or his t- contract extension, his uh, the pool for his assistant ten on field assistant coaches went from six million a year to at least seven point five. So the money will be there to attract somebody. Um, I, I assume, you know, he should get a good hire there. Um, and then I guess just to keep rounding it up, I'm sure we can do this every week. I believe it's three portal editions out from Michigan state since our last podcast. Um, we have Michael Gravely, true freshman defensive back, uh, CJ Hayes, a fifth year senior safety former. He played, he was a wide receiver for the first four years before moving to safety this year, um, contributed on special teams. And Ricky White, wide receiver, redshirt freshman, everybody knows what he did as against Michigan last year. Uh, Gravely and White were suspended all season from team activity, so I don't think it comes as a surprise at all they're in the portal. Um, and then Hayes, a guy, you know, he battled with some injuries, missed all of uh, the 2020 season due to injury. Uh, you know, the move from, from receiver to safety just wasn't on the field defensively and, and looking for a new opportunity. So all in all, uh, and those not really a surprise at all from those three guys being on their way out. And CJ Hayes said he plans on playing in the uh, bowl game. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, yeah. that's really cool. Good for him. You know, I, he's a guy that you kind of, you know, some of those guys that are late in their career, there's a position change. They're not playing a lot. You kind of, you know, you're, you're looking for body language for them at times on the sideline when you're seeing it. And I, I swear, I just always remember seeing positive things from CJ and the fact that he would say he's going to enter the portal, but still playing the bowl game would, would reflect uh, pretty highly on his character. It would seem. Yeah, I mean, you see that with a lot of guys on this roster, man. Seem like a lot of a lot of good dudes, and they've really bought into the culture that Mel brought in. Um, and then one of the no, Ephraim Reed was assistant running backs guy. He got hired by uh, Georgia Southern as their running backs coach. Yep. So yep, he was an offensive analyst. Stuff. Yep, offensive okay. analyst the last two years for Michigan State, um, getting a, an on field uh, job. So yeah, that's a seems like a no brainer right there. Right. Yeah. We like, we usually take promotions when they come calling, uh, (laughs) Colorado fans take note. Uh, okay. Um, let's move on to hoops. Then we got basketball here. Uh, basketball season still going here, Kyle. It's, uh, you know, here we are us basketball guys. And I feel like we always, you know, maybe not take offense, but always like, man, like we're two months into the bet. We're in the second month of the basketball season here and it still doesn't have the spotlight. What are we doing here? Come on. Can we get hoops? Little love, but Michigan state picks up a big win over Louisville in the big 10 ACC challenge in a, I would say we were about right in the ugliness of that game, but uh, you know, Michigan state looked good on offense at times. And then, you know, take, they take care of Toledo with um, you know, kind of a hot and cold performance. I know Tom was really thrilled with the first half and then the second half, not so much, but um, you know, we can talk about a lot of different things here, Kyle. The team continues to be pretty balanced and deep, um, but, you know, a good win over Louisville, at least. Yeah, um, a, a kind of uneventful week in a good way for Michigan State. Um, you know, Louisville, I, I mean, I don't know if they're going to make the tournament, but that's going to end up being a pretty solid win, I think, at home, uh, having it be pretty comfortable. It got down to nine at the end, but that um, they took care of them pretty good. Um, and then Toledo, yeah, I mean. Second half, you're up by 20 against the mid-major. That's going to happen from time to time. I'm not too worried about that. But, you know, to me, to me, the biggest thing from last week is they finally shot the ball. Um, you know, two games, they went 10, from eight, 10 for 18 from three, 12 for 26 from three. I mean, we had kind of just started to wonder uh, if, they, if this is just going to be a bad three-point shooting team, if they were going to be like they were last year. Um, and I, I think that gives hope that um, they're going to be able to hit some shots um and you know it was and it was weird guys too it was Malik Hall didn't didn't miss a three he's not really a three-point shooter but he did it um 
And then Jaden Akins, uh, again, not really known as a shooter. Um, he went, I think, three for three against uh, Toledo. Uh, so they, they're getting some shooting finally. And, and that's really, to me, without um, without Joey Hauser and um, uh, without, you know, anybody else, um, any of the other main guys really, really heating up. So it's, um, you know, it was a good week. They're still playing defense well. Um, and, you know, I think they feel good. I, you know. Um, I know Tom got some attention saying that, you know, he would have taken, I think it was after the Louisville game. He said, you know, I would have taken six and two. And, you know, I, I see a bunch of people say, oh, we shouldn't lose any. Well, you consider <laughs> where this team was last year. You consider it's, you know, it's personnel. It's got some good players that I don't see any lottery picks or anything on this team. Um, I think six and two should, is pretty darn good. And then seven and two at the Toledo game. Like that's, I think I predicted them at three losses by now. So they're a game better than I would have predicted. Um, and I, I think they're feeling pretty good about where they're at right now. That's Spartan for fans for you, Kyle. They have very right. high expectations for their basketball team. Um, well, there's yeah, a lot I mean, of years. Well, there's a lot of years with that. Just real quick. I mean, the lot of years that wouldn't have been um, acceptable, you know, like you should be better than that, but just except where this program's at right now, it's not quite at the level that it has been a lot of recent years. No, I'm yeah. They won three big 10 titles in a row. I think people got a little uh, right. used, used to that, but um, you know, they do have these years where they're just a good, not great team, but I think this team has a pretty high ceiling Kyle. I mean, last week, um, you know, they're getting, they're playing really good team basketball. I mean, you mentioned, I think they're still number two in defensive efficiency per mm-hmm. Ken Palm. Um, and if you just look at the games last week, I mean, last year, they were not cohesive on offense at a lot of times. Well, that came back to the point guard play. We've talked about that a lot, largely the point guard play COVID, whatever. There's a lot of reasons for that, but just look at last week. I mean, 20 assists on 23 made field goals versus Louisville, 22 assists on 26 made field goals versus Toledo. Uh, that's, that's good team basketball, man. They're getting contributions up and down the lineup. Um, I mean, they've had, do you see the balance on this team as a good thing? I put that out on Twitter and got some different answers. Cause you've got, Nine guys averaging at least five points. No one's averaging more than Gabe Brown, who has like 13 a game. They've had five different leading scorers this season. You know, early in the season, I think it makes them a tough scout because they've got guys who can who can kind of rise up and take over at any moment. But eventually, I feel like you got to find some alphas. Yeah, I, I think they're in a good spot right now. Um, Gabe Brown might not be like a do-everything killer, but he's showing up pretty much every night to me. You know, he's getting in double figures most nights. He's not... This total, you know, he's not pulling these disappearing acts like he did um, earlier in his career. Um, you know, he might not be, um, you know, dominating the ball, being far and away their leading scorer, but he's enough of at least like a steady veteran presence to me um, that, that that's what they need right now. And yeah, I mean, upside, downside, the upside is that, yeah, they're a hard scout right now. And, you know, when, when Julius Marble can, you know, in the second half against UConn um, go, you know, be the guy down the stretch after Malik Hall does it. Um, I, I think it, it's making them tougher right now. I do think they're going to need a couple of guys um, that you can kind of go to once you hit Big Ten play. Um, and I think Gabe can be one of them. I still think Max Christie is going to be one of them. You know, we can talk a little bit more about where he's at right now. Um, but I think he's going through kind of a typical freshman struggle at this point. Um, he's, a, he's a smart kid. I think he's got a good attitude about it. And I think, I think he's going to be better for this overall in the long run. And I think down the stretch, he is going to be one of those guys, one of your, one of your kind of alphas. I mean, it's not, it's not going to be a team where I, I don't see anybody emerging to be like Aaron Henry was last year. Certainly nobody like Cassius Winston was, but I think they'll have enough of those guys. It's not like it's going to be seven completely equal guys. I think one or two of these guys are going to kind of rise up. Um, and be a little bit more go-to guys. And I think that'll be enough for them. 
Yeah, and Max Christie, Big Ten Freshman of the Week honors. He had a great game against Toledo, I'd say. Um, so, I mean, it, solid game. Okay, maybe not four, great, four but for solid. 14. But I mean, he yeah. scored 14 points. 14 points, 14 points. He's been playing good defense, though, I think. Yeah. I, it, it, I think the most important thing with Christie early in the season is that we don't see him getting, like, disheartened. You know, I think that he still is playing with – with confidence. And I think he just needs time to adjust. And you've said as much on the pod. We both have. So uh, I'm not too worried about him. Who would you say are Michigan state's three best players right now? I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Gabe Brown, Marcus Bingham. I want to say Christy, but I'm going to, I almost want to say AJ Hogard has been, has shown like last game. He was great. I would say Gabe Brown, Christy and Malik Hall overall so far this year, but I don't know. It's tight. Gabe Brown, Marcus Bingham, and <sighs> the third one is like it's like uh, which day of the week is it? <laughs> the third one is tough. I mean, I, I, I want to say Max Christie for his defense because um, I know he's been struggling offensively, but um, you know against Louisville, um, Noah Lock comes in leading scorer goes over seven um, against Max Christie, um, and, and that that's been huge. Uh, but yeah, his offensive struggles have been what they were. Like, I think the dark horse there is Tyson Walker. Um, I know he's still not doing a bunch. Um, 10 assists, though. Yeah, he's not, he's not shooting a bunch still, but he's been shooting a little bit more. But he's been moving the ball a lot more. And, and I think a lot more just that offense looking better, like you said, more cohesive. I think he deserves some credit for that. Um, I think he's been defending better, uh, cut down the turnovers um, in the last week. So um, I think he's trending in that direction. Yeah, you could convince me of Malik Hall. He's still a little too up and down for me. Um, there's games where he's certainly there's games where he's their best player. There's games where he's their sixth best player. Um, so I'd probably be between uh, Max Christie and um, uh, Tyson Walker for the fourth, and um, I'll go with Christie for the defense in a close one. Is Michigan State the second best team in the Big Ten right now? Uh, they're ranked there. Uh, I- I don't I have a hard time saying that. I mean, let me, let me look at the, let me look at the, let me look at the Ohio state is another one you can talk about. Michigan has had a little bit of up and down, but they obviously had the preseason pedigree. Iowa has been a surprise. Um, I, I haven't looked at the full Ken Pond numbers actually. I think they I have got Michigan Ken higher right now. Yeah. Like Ohio state, like I know they've had a couple of losses, but that obviously that Duke win is going to get your attention. Um, Illinois is playing better. You know, I, I think they were disjointed earlier because the injuries Kofi's out. Um, I think Cabello was trying to be um, an NBA all-star there for a second. Maybe he'll settle in. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, you could convince me right now. I still don't think they're going to be at the end of the year because I think some of these more talented teams are going to get it together. Um, I mean, they're better than Michigan right now, but I, I still like Michigan's talent and I think they could get it together. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I think they've raised the ceiling. I mean, I, I think we said before, I didn't think they'd be a top four team in the Big Ten. I certainly think there's much better chance of that now. Um, some of the middles falling away a little bit. Uh, I don't think, I don't think Maryland's going to be finishing ahead of them. We thought that, uh, would be a possibility. Uh, I think we can cross that one off. Um, uh, you know, Rutgers, I don't think he's going to be there. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think they've shown, I mean, listen, you go down and you beat a Loyola team. That's good. You beat a UConn team. That's good on a neutral floor. Like you can convince me that you're going to take some games from Ohio state and Illinois and, you know, Michigan, you're obviously going to get be competitive again. So I think they'll be right there. I still think Purdue, um, we didn't even mention them. They're still far and away. I think, uh, number one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're pretty close, uh, in that kind of second tier behind Purdue, which, which is more than I would have thought. 
This Maryland situation has like Jamie Dixon at Pitt part two <laughs> written all over it. These Maryland fans have been trying to get rid of Mark Turgeon since he got there. And the grass is not always greener, Kyle. Like look you know, what happened you know to what? Pitt basketball after Jamie Dixon left. That's a good comp. You know, the first thing I thought we had to a football one, which Matt will appreciate. Um Nebraska, you know. Yeah. Nine wins a year under Bo Pelini wasn't enough. Get rid of him. We want to do more. How's that worked out for you, Cornhuskers? Um yeah. <laughs> I I mean, maybe I mean Maryland to me still has a lot of ingredients if they should be good. They're in a great recruiting area. Um, you know, good, you know, they won a national title, all that, but yeah, man, it like I think they've been to five of the last six tournaments. I get they're not going deep in the tournament, but they won the they won the Big Ten title uh, in twenty twenty. Like man, it, it could be a lot worse. I'll say that it could they could twenty 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 was last year still, right, Kyle? Yeah, I think so. I can't keep track anymore. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, this isn't a Maryland podcast. Um, let's look ahead to next week. Uh, Big Ten play starts or this week, I should say. Uh, they got a game tomorrow against Minnesota at the barn, nine o'clock. I hate going to the barn, Kyle. This, this I love place, the barn. Oh, I mean, I've never been to the barn. I would like to go to the barn, but I hate when Michigan State has to play at the barn because the Gophers like to like to challenge them there. Uh, you know, it's it's a interesting place to start the Big Ten. Then they got Penn State at home. I think Minnesota's ninety in Ken Palm, and Minnesota, uh, Penn State's ninety-one. You know, Minnesota's seven and zero, but their best wins are against oh Pitt. There they popped up again in Mississippi State. Uh, Rocket Watts's new squad. Um, so like. I don't really know. Jamison Battle is a transfer from uh, George Washington, who's played really well for them uh, throughout the early portion of the season. It's typical Minnesota. They got one or two guys who put up ridiculous numbers, and then the rest of the team's just kind of meh. So, I mean, these are two games Michigan State are, is expected to win, of course. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. Digging into Minnesota, it, it's almost kind of a reminder that kind of like Michigan State in football, like in the transfer portal era, like you can turn a roster pretty quick with all this immediate eligibility and be better than you thought. Like, um, you know, after they fired uh, Richard Patino, I think they had one dude come back and eventually a second. So basically a complete roster overhaul. And before you'd be thinking, okay, you get a bunch of sit out transfers, you get a bunch of freshmen, it takes three, four years. Like they're basically relying almost completely on transfers right now. But um they got some good dudes. You know, you mentioned Jamison battle, like he's a four man who can really shoot it and stretch the floor. And I think that's going to be a challenge for them. I'm not sure they've, they faced, you know, that at an elite level really. Um, so can, can Joey Hauser, um, guard that, you know, I think you're going to, um, rely on Malik Calder. He's had a bit of an ankle by the way, which he says is better, but I think he's at least something to watch. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, Peyton Willis, uh, he's the, Minnesota to Charleston back to Minnesota transfer. Um, so the double transfer back, um, he's shooting, you know, he's been their shooter. He's been shooting 19 for 43 from three point range, 44%. Um, so those have kind of been the two guys, but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's, um, credit to, to Ben Johnson. I mean, I, I know they, they haven't played a ton of guys, but wins at Pittsburgh and Mississippi state, um, and back to back, um, is decent. And I think they're good enough to at least give Michigan State a game. I'd certainly take Michigan State to win. But I think it's, um, as Tom said yesterday, two weeks ago, you had have thought this has been a blowout. Um, now you're thinking, okay, maybe, maybe it's a competitive game. I think there's a lot of healthy respect between Izzo and Ben Johnson. He, I, I know Ben Johnson, when he got hired, dropped Izzo's name like three times about how he wanted the program to be sort of modeled after how Michigan State does well, things. So. Tom recruited him. Um, right. Yeah. About, which is funny. Yeah. Thomas to the point now where the dudes he recruited are getting hired for big 10 because he recruited Juwan <laughs> too. So, so that's how old he is. 
Hey, he's getting old, man, but he's still got it. Let's go. We love Tom. Um, and then Penn State, they're four and four. I mean, they've pretty much lo- their losses are to Massachusetts, LSU, Miami, and Ohio State. So basically any legit team they've played, they got, speaking of the transfer portal, they got completely uh, cleaned out. But I think four of their best players are contributing elsewhere in the country now. I mean, John Hara is still there. Seth Lundy's still there. Sam Sestums is there. But this is a t- game Michigan State at home should win pretty easily. Yeah, I would think so. I haven't really dug on, on, on them yet after the Minnesota game, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, they're, it's funny they're facing the two, um, the two new coaches right off the bat, so a little bit of uncertainty there. But you know, just where those rosters are and the way Michigan State's playing, you think they should um, handle it. And you know, it's it's funny. I I'd have to look back. I don't think Michigan State has lost a December um, Big Ten game yet since they started doing no. these. And you know, my understanding is that. Um, I mean, it's not a coincidence that Michigan State always gets these manageable, I want to say, I'll say easy, because uh, frankly, that, that's what they are, these easy Big Ten games early in the year, because TV knows people aren't in basketball mode, as you mentioned off the top of our basketball conversation. People aren't in basketball mode yet, and TV knows that, so they're not going to do Michigan State, Purdue, and Michigan State, certainly not Michigan State, Michigan, or, or any of the big ones. Um, they're going to stash their lower rate of Michigan state games early when no one cares and save their other ones for later. So um, I think it ends up working out well for Michigan state because most years last year, notwithstanding uh, most years, they're able to have a pretty soft entry um, into the big 10. And I think this year is no exception. You look at uh, you know, after these two, which I think they should win um, then they go Northwestern uh, Nebraska. Uh, so, I mean, that really should be four and um <laughs> barring anything um uh, you know, Northwestern's looked a little bit better and, and you're at there, but you know, and then that's going to a Michigan matchup. So looking a little bit ahead, um, I think TV is kind of given them as they usually do a soft, uh, soft intro into the big 10. And I think they, they could have a pretty good record. there going into a Michigan matchup in early January. Don't ever look at Oakland did, game, Kyle. Hold on. Did Kyle just call them easy Big Ten games? Because that goes against <laughs> oh, everything there I've no ever heard about the Big Ten in my life from players and coaches. <laughs> so. Manageable. Manageable. Yeah, games. manageable probably is better. Because, <laughs> I mean, as, as Tom brought up very quickly, they lost by 25 at Minnesota last year to a not very good Minnesota team that fired the coach after the year. So yes, yeah. I, I do think that's not just coach speak. I mean, Michigan state has lost two very lower level, big 10 teams, but I'd be surprised if they lose either of these games this weekend. We were hitting the panic button after that Minnesota game, like yeah. no chance this team's making the tournament. And then, you know, they th- pull off three huge wins at the end of the year. But no, I was just saying, don't look overlook Oakland, man. They're off to a good start this year. Yeah. I was just focusing on the, the big 10. Yeah. Be, went yeah. over Oklahoma st- at Oklahoma state. So, and that's, a neutral game uh, although i think there'll be more michigan state fans there but yeah that that's not a given high point isn't given but oakland's not <laughs> tubby smith baby all right <laughs> we got to get out of here uh we're going long but uh appreciate everyone for listening again if you could please like rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening uh check out our work on mlive.com slash spartans uh hit us up on twitter email you guys know how to get in touch with us um we'll have a more peach bowl stuff on the site coming up and obviously we'll stay on top of uh on, on top of the Michigan State stuff as well on the poop side. So uh, we will be on top of it. We appreciate everyone for listening. Um, thank you once again for listening to MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Go Green.